There we go. All right, so here we are. We're continuing our series today called Behold the Savior. We're very excited uh, to get to be a part of this, to get to share this with you. Uh, I think today's service so far already has been great, okay? I mean, the, the, the worship team, as they always are, was amazing. Great job. And then, then we thought for that. And then uh, Joe and Rhonda welcomed us, and I felt very welcomed. Well, I hope you did too. And then, and then Fabiola had a fabulous communion message for us. And then John really modeled that hoodie for us very well. I hope you all all go get one. Okay. I hope I can live up to the standard that has been set. Now, uh, some of you know I, I usually do this uh, when I do a lesson like this. I make the notes available for you. Uh, if you want them, so all you have to do, you can copy that email down and email me later, and I will be happy to send you the notes because and I don't have anything written. Those are my notes, okay, what, uh, what I'm going to show you. So uh, I'm happy to share them with anyone. If you want to dig into this stuff on your own, I'm happy to help out, okay? So here we go. Behold the Savior here. I put the schedule up here again for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I wanted to point out... Uh, that Larry Craig is covering the same topic down the road uh, in Persephone that I'm covering here right now. And I just want to let you know I'm grateful that you guys, knowing that Larry was down there covering the same two of you still come here to hear me, okay? Uh, I also, I put, uh, I put Derek's name in there. Derek is not here because he was at the lock-in, right? So he's probably home uh, recovering. But he did such a fantastic job and he did a little communion, right, last Sunday at our Zoom meeting, but it was fantastic. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful that I get to be a part of this. I have next month up here as well, and I want to notice our, our, our hoodie modeler has been added to the... Uh, but I wonder who's going to, if he's out in the Northwest speaking, who's going to do announcements that day? <laughs> we'll figure it out. Okay. So there's a schedule for the next couple of months for, for uh, if you didn't catch that uh, when I delivered it a week and a half ago, there it is again. All right, so today, uh-oh, that didn't translate from, uh, it's supposed to say Jesus the prophet, whatever that says. Because uh, I did this on Google Slides and then we translated it over into PowerPoint and something got lost in the translation. Okay, sorry about that, but uh, if you look carefully enough, Jesus the <laughs> okay. Sorry about that, everybody. That's how technology goes sometimes. All right, are you guys still with me? Yeah. All right, so here we go. Uh, we've talked about how Jesus was the Son of Man. I, I got the, the pleasure of uh, delivering that one. Bobby talked about Jesus, uh, the light of the world, and now I'm going to talk about Jesus, the prophet. And there's a few questions I want to answer as we go. And one is, how do they view prophets? in those days. And I want us to understand that Jesus was the prophet. I mean, that's important. Because prophets were very highly regarded. John the Baptist, for example. He was considered by many to be a prophet. And we're not going to take the time. There's a lot of scriptures here. We're not always going to take the time to look at each scripture. Okay? Uh, but you see it, it talks about Matthew 14, 5, where Herod was afraid because the people considered John to be a prophet. 
Okay? So you don't really, really want to mess with John because of that. And then later in uh, chapter 21, the Pharisees didn't want to say something against John because the people considered him to be a prophet. Those, that was a good thing. You know, the people held him in high regard. They said he's a prophet because prophets spoke from God. They looked back at the Old Testament and they saw all those Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and they held them in high regard. And so if Jesus was also a prophet, Jesus would be someone that they held in high regard. Even the Pharisees held the prophets in high regard. If you look at Luke 21, and a parallel of this is in Matthew 23, but if you look at Luke, Luke 11, I'm sorry, verse 47, Jesus is laying out the Pharisees. He's rebuking them sternly. And one of the things he says is, woe to you. Because you build tombs for the prophets. And Jesus makes the point, and it's not the point I'm making here, but the point that Jesus is making is, you, you lift up the prophets, but you're just like the people that killed them. Right? Uh, that word, if you see I made tombs pink for a reason, right? That word that is translated from the Greek into, into our English word tombs is that Greek word up there, right? Menemia. <laughs> which can also be translated as monuments. So what Jesus is saying is, you build tombs or you build monuments for the prophets, you lift up the prophets, but you're just like those people that killed them. Now my point is not what the Pharisees were like. My point is that they exalted the prophets, that they lifted up the prophets, that they were, even the Pharisees lifted up the prophets and held them in high regard. They acknowledged that the prophets had come from God. And what I want us to see is, well, if Jesus is a prophet, then he's from God too. Okay, you guys with me? Yeah. Awesome. So what is a prophet? What is a biblical prophet? And how does Jesus fit that definition? Okay? Well, the prophets, basically the prophets of old, basically did two things. They would deliver God's message. That was really their main function. Oftentimes it's the second one that we think about a lot. But their main function was to deliver God's message to the people, whatever that message might be. And the second one was that a prophet would foretell something that's going to happen later on down the road, right? Somewhere in the future, this is what's going to happen. Well, Jesus does both of those things. Okay. So in this definition, was Jesus a prophet? Well, first, did he deliver God's message? Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, we know from John 3.16, he talks about God loving the world. Jesus delivers God's message of love and forgiveness. And we're going to dig more into that a little later on in, in, in sort of the main part, the meat of this lesson. Okay? And... Uh, he also delivered the message uh, telling us how God wants his people to live. Read the Sermon on the Mount sometime. Okay? Jesus is saying, this is how you should live. I, I gave you the, the verses if you want to look at it. Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. He talks a lot about how God's people should love. Okay? Love God, love other people. Matthew 22, uh, 36 to 40. The greatest and second greatest commands. Right? And John 13, 34 and 35, the command to love each other. Now, in this regard, okay, in this idea that, 
that a prophet is going to deliver God's message. Jesus is unique. He does deliver God's message. But he's not just the deliverer of the message. He is God himself. Okay? So that does make him unique. Makes him different from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea and Ezekiel and those guys. In that he's more than just the messenger. Okay? He's delivering God's message, but he's God himself. Okay. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Okay? Because we want to talk about the other aspect of is Jesus a prophet. Okay? Did he foretell the future? And at times he did. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 21 and 22 says it. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what the prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. So what's the test of a prophet? A prophet makes a prediction and says, this is what God says is going to happen. Then it doesn't happen. That person's not a prophet. Okay? So does Jesus make some predictions? Yes, he does. Okay? He makes some small personal predictions, for Peter at least. And he makes some big historical predictions too. Okay, we'll go look at one of them. Uh, so Jesus predicted Peter's denial shortly before it happens even. And I gave you the verses that, I mean, you guys are probably familiar with that story, right? This is before the, the, the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Deny three times that you even know me, right? And then it happens. So Jesus makes a prophecy, and then it happens. But another one is that, that Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 21, that whole passage, uh, and we're going to look at some of it. Jesus says, this is what's going to happen somewhere down the road. Okay, And this is a big historical prophecy. Not just, okay, tomorrow you're going to get up, and this is going to happen. This was huge. So let's look at it. Luke chapter 21, verse 20 to 24. But when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem, then know that its destruction is near. At that time, those who are in Judea should run to the mountains. Now, let me pause it for just a second, because I know you probably noticed I highlighted some of this stuff in red, right? Jesus says, when you see the armies, Surrounding the city, run away. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his apostles, right? All right, we're going to come back to that in a minute. Those who are in the city need to leave. And those outside of the city should not enter it. He's saying, if you're in the city, get out. If you're out of the city, don't go in. Okay? He's giving them a very stern warning about what's going to happen when they see the army surrounding the city. Those days of punishment are the fulfillment of everything that has been written. Woe to those who are pregnant or nursing in those days because there will be great trouble throughout the land and much anger toward these people. People will fall to the edge of the sword and others will be taken captive into all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles reach fulfillment. I don't know what all that means, to be honest. Okay, But I do understand the part of when you see the city surrounded by the army, get out. Okay? That much I definitely understand. Don't go in, and if you are in, go out. Right? It's clear. The, the, the city's going to be trampled. 
So get out. And this all happens in 70 AD when Rome destroys the temple and destroys Jerusalem. Jesus warning 30, 40 years earlier, well, how you do the math, right? However many years before, three to four decades before, warned the Christians. So that when they saw the city surrounded by the Roman army, the Christians got out and a lot of lives were spared. People who didn't follow Jesus didn't get out. They didn't understand what was about to happen. I think we can conclude that Jesus' prophecies came true and that Jesus is a prophet. You guys with me so far? Yes. Okay. Now, what I want to do is, there's a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus' credentials as a prophet comes under fire. And I would like to look at that together. Now, you see, I probably showed you guys this before. Uh, THT means that this is my translation, okay? Feel free to compare my translation to, to whatever your favorite translation is. You can, you know, judge for yourself how I did, okay? Uh, but I'm willing to share that with you here, okay? Here we go. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 uh, to 43a, and then we'll, we'll read a little bit because I couldn't fit it all in one slide, okay? Uh, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. So Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined to eat. A woman from the town, who was known to be sinful, learned that Jesus was dining in the house of the Pharisee. She came bearing an alabaster jar of perfume. Placing herself behind Jesus by his feet, she wept, and her tears began to wet his feet, wiping them with her hair. Then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the perfume. Seeing this, a Pharisee, the Pharisee thought to himself, if this man were a prophet, then he would know what kind of woman is touching him, that she is sinful. Okay, so you see, this man does not approve of what Jesus is allowing to happen and is questioning his credentials as a prophet, as a man of God. Okay, we see that, right? Okay. Jesus answered his thoughts, saying, Simon, I need to tell you something. The Pharisee responds, tell me, teacher. Jesus replied, a money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 days wages and the other owed 50. Neither could repay him, so he forgave both their debts. Which one of them would the money lender, or would love the money lender more? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one who was forgiven more. Then Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, you see this woman? She came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, yet she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but from my arrival, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You have not anointed my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. I'm telling you that because of this, her many sins are forgiven, because she has loved great Those who love little are forgiven little. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Those who were sitting at the table said to themselves, who is this that can even forgive sins? But Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, so what I want to do is I want to do a little exegesis with you here, okay? I want to break this down a little bit. I want to share this picture. I just Googled the story, 
and I found this picture. I don't know, I don't know why you can see that, but that's just kind of what it looked like. Uh, it's a low table, and they would sit on cushions with their feet facing outward. Okay, not in this typical, you know, dining room set like we would sit at today, right? I'd always had that kind of picture in my mind, but that wasn't what actually happened. Okay, they had dirty feet, so they sit with their feet facing away from the table. Okay, while you can see, maybe you can see it, Jesus sort of reclines at the table. That's what's going on. So Jesus is reclining at the table. And the news that Jesus is at Simon's house has spread. So people started showing up. And there was one party crasher who undoubtedly was not invited who makes it to the party. And Luke only says two things about her, really. Here's his description. She's from that town, and she has a sinful reputation. That's really all he says. Okay? And so Simon, the way that Simon reacts to this, would indicate that she wasn't really wanted there. Okay? But she shows up, and it probably took her a lot of courage to do this. Let's continue our exegesis. The woman is weeping profusely, right? I mean, to be able to produce enough tears to wash Jesus' feet, I would think she is, she's producing a lot, right? But when I wash my feet, it takes, it takes a fair amount of water, right? So she is weeping and wailing at his feet, okay? Then she lets down her hair to dry his feet. In one of the commentaries I read on this, this was probably, by the crowd there, probably considered this an immodest act, okay? I don't really know that for sure, but it, understanding what I do about the times, that kind of makes sense. But here's what I want us to think about. I want you to imagine that it's you there getting your feet washed by somebody's tears, not Jesus, it's you. How do you respond to something like that? I gotta tell you, it would make me uncomfortable. Okay? I mean, some woman, I don't really even know, weeping at my feet and, and washing my feet and then drying it with her hair. I'm uncomfortable with that. I would probably say, please don't do that. Okay? But I want us to understand Jesus didn't do anything like that. This woman is showing an act of tender love to Jesus and he lets her do it. Okay? In spite of the fact that I don't, I don't, I can't presume to know how it makes Jesus feel. I can only know how it would make me feel. All right, I would want her to stop. Okay, and not for the same reason that Simon would want her to stop. Not because of her unworthiness, really, but maybe because of my own unworthiness. I, I don't really know. I've never been in a situation like this. Okay, but I know that I would not want this happening. Jesus wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about her. And he let her do what she needed to do. That's something to think about. All right. Simon's reaction, though. Here's where Simon questions his credentials. Simon reacts this way. If this man were a prophet, then he would know what kind of woman this is that is touching him. And she's sinful. Now, that's what he has to say about this, or think about this. He doesn't see the whole picture, though. He doesn't recognize or acknowledge his own sinfulness, just hers. 
So Jesus, the fact that Jesus accepts this, this gift, if you will, from this woman, leads Simon to question his credentials as a prophet. In Simon's eyes, how should he have responded? In Simon's eyes, he should have rejected such a thing and said, you know, get away from me, you sinful woman. Don't you know I'm a prophet? Or something like that. But Jesus wasn't like that. In fact, you never really see Jesus respond to anyone like that, do you? Okay. You know why? Because Jesus is a friend of sinners. He didn't come to judge. He was their friend. And so Jesus accepted this gracious gift. And he teaches Simon a lesson. So Simon is questioning whether Jesus is a prophet. And Jesus proves himself to be a prophet plus. Okay, a prophet on more than one level. Because Jesus knows about the woman. He knows her reputation. And he, but he also, at the same time, understands the genuine sorrow that she feels about her sin. And he also knows Simon. He knows that Simon is a sinner too. He probably knows it better than Simon knows it. And Simon doesn't seem to understand it. Okay? He knows Simon. He knows Simon's heart. He knows the woman. He knows her heart. And he knows what Simon is thinking about himself. He knows what Simon is thinking about the woman. And he knows what Simon is thinking about Jesus. Jesus got it all covered. You know why? Because he's a prophet. Okay? If you guys didn't catch it, John got that one. Okay? He's a prophet. He does know. Okay. So again, Simon is questioning whether Jesus is a prophet or not. Jesus' response shows that he is. Jesus knows that Simon is a sinner. Although Simon doesn't think of himself that way, right? He doesn't think of himself that way, and that's not his reputation. That woman, that was her reputation. Imagine everybody in town knew her reputation. Simon didn't match that reputation. So he tells them a parable. Okay? Two people owe money. One owed 500 days wages. I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of money. I was thinking about it. You guys, most of you know I'm a, I'm a school teacher, right? And so for me to work 500 days, that is two and three quarters school years. Okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you my salary. You might be curious. I'm still not going to tell you. <laughs> But just know that take my annual salary, multiply it by two and three quarters, it's a pretty fair amount of money, okay? And so in the story, person A is forgiven a whole lot of money, right? For me, it would be nearly three years worth of salary, okay? It's just forgiven. You don't have to pay it back. The second person, person B is given about a tenth of that, right? 50 days wages. Still a fair amount of money, right? I think, okay, how much do I make in, you know, like a third of a school year? Still a lot of money, right? And so these two debts were forgiven. And Jesus' question is, which one is going to love the money lender more? And Simon gives the obvious answer, the one who's forgiven more. But I want us to think about the story in, in this way. What kind of money lender just forgives bunches of debts? They don't. If I got a call from the, the 
from one of the, well, banks that I owe money, the one I'm making car payments to, and they says, Mr. News, don't worry about paying for the car. Consider it canceled. You're welcome. <laughs> I would be very happy. But what if the bank that owns my mortgage called? And they because you know, if you did the math on the two, the one is about is considerably larger, right? The one that has my mortgage says, guess what, Mr. Hughes? It's your lucky day. Consider your mortgage paid. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'd be running around in the streets. I'd be going crazy. Oh, man, hallelujah. <laughs> but that doesn't happen, does it? I'm still waiting for that call. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way. Things don't just say, guess what? Yeah, I, you know, I can see all of you going, and that would be awesome. <laughs> but it doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, now I saw that the joy and the sadness at the same time. Yeah. Okay. As I was thinking about all this, that's how I felt. That would be amazing. But it doesn't happen. Right? Because bankers are not in, they're in the business of making money, not giving away money, right? And so Jesus is telling the story. What does it tell us? Okay, because we all know the obvious parallel that the money lenders got. This is a story about God's incredible capacity to forgive, right? Because what are the debts? The debts are our sin. So the, the, this is a story, guy. Jesus, again, is being the prophet, sharing God's message. And what's God's message? Love and radical forgiveness. Banks don't just forgive your debts. They just don't do it. But God is willing to say, hey, I'm a better bank than that, right? I'm a better money lender than that. Yeah, you owe me 500 days wages, you owe me 50 days wages, I'm willing to forgive that. 500 days wages, I'm willing to forgive that. 5,000 days, 5 million days, I'm willing to forgive that. Okay, that's what this story's about. An incredible capacity to forgive. So in this parable, we see that God is gracious beyond all reasonable expectation. We have no right to ask God to forgive, but he does. And so Jesus is a prophet as he continues to share God's incredible love and forgiveness. Plus, Jesus shared some of that too, right? He forgives the woman. All right. So Jesus... I think we can establish Jesus is a prophet. What I want to do is examine whether Jesus not only was a prophet, but was he the prophet? Okay, you guys know the difference between a something and the something, right? Okay, I'll share with you, right? You guys know Ray Alfonso, right? Ray and I, we go way back. You guys have heard me and some of the other brothers talk about those old, wild, crazy days at the Stagnant House, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, back in those days, I knew right back then, right didn't live at the Stagnant House, but, uh, you know, when I moved to New Jersey 30-something years ago, uh, to be a part of the church here, Leo Flight kind of pulled me in and said, you know, uh, I got this guy, I mean, I want to teach you how to study the Bible with people. I got this guy who started to study with. I want you to come sit on the studies and learn how to study the Bible with people. 
That guy was Ray Alfonso. Okay, so Ray, we go way back. He took the pictures at our wedding for one day. We go way back. We've been friends for a long time. Okay. Now, I'm sure there are other Ray Alfonsos in the world. I'm sure there are. Okay, I'm sure if I Googled Ray Alfonso, he wouldn't be the only picture that came up. But to me, he's not just a Ray Alfonso. He's the Ray Alfonso. Right? I, you know, Ray plays bass. I watch him play the bass. And Ray is so cool. Right? And, you know, Ray's shaking his head, but we all know it's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's too humble to admit. Okay. But he played that bass up here, and I'm thinking, if I could be that cool for five minutes, <laughs> that would just be five of the best minutes of my life. <laughs> he's the Ray Alfonso. He's just not so ordinary Ray Alfonso. He's the, you guys get what I'm talking about, right? So we're not, I want to establish that Jesus wasn't just a prophet. Jesus was the prophet. You guys with me? All right, this is where we go back to Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 18, it says, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what, what you asked of the Lord God, Lord your God, at Horeb. On the day of the assembly, when you said, let us not hear the voice of the, of the Lord our God, or see the great fire anymore, or we will die. They were freaking out over, you know, being in God's presence, right? God with booming voice. I assume it's booming. You know, whatever. It was scared of them, right? And God was in the fire, that pillar of fire that led them, and it scared them. And they said, we, we, we can't handle it anymore, or we'll die. And so... God makes a provision for them. Okay? Verse 17, so the Lord said to me, so Moses is sharing this with the people, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. Everything I command him. Okay. And so, among the Israelites, a prophet is going to come. Right? And I highlighted a couple things there. Again, this didn't work out the way it was supposed to be, you know, uh, well, it looked different, but hopefully you can read that, okay? But I, you have to listen to this prophet when that prophet comes. Why? Because I will put my words in his mouth. Right. Can you see that? I will put my words in his mouth. So this prophet is gonna come and he's going to speak from God. The, the words that he speaks are going to be directly from God. God's going to put those words in his mouth. So they were looking for the prophet. Not a prophet, the prophet. The one that Deuteronomy 18 promised them. And then when John comes on the scene, they said to John, are you the prophet? Let's look at John chapter 1 real quick. In verse 21, they asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not. He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. 
John says, they were looking for the prophet, and John says, well, you can look, continue looking, because I'm not the prophet. Okay? Going on, I have uh, some other quotes. As Jesus is out preaching and teaching people, John 6, 14, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. John 7, on hearing the words, on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. They were looking for this prophet from Deuteronomy 18. And they thought, first they thought it was John, but it wasn't John. Then they start to think, well, maybe it's Jesus. Maybe he's the prophet. Jesus' testimony. Now, to my knowledge, nowhere does Jesus actually say in Scripture, I am the prophet. Okay? But there is another testimony that he gives. Because remember, what are we looking for? The one that's going to say the words of God. That God is going to put his words in this guy's mouth. There are many times that Jesus says, I only speak what the Father's told me to. Let's look at a couple of them, John. We're not going to look at all of them, but John chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Okay. He's saying, the things I'm sharing with you, not my words, not my teachings. It came from the one that sent me. Next chapter, chapter 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Okay, Jesus is saying over and over and over, there's two more, we're not even, you know, we're going to say the same thing. I'm speaking the words that God has placed in my mouth. Okay, let's go on. Peter testifies in Acts chapter 3. Jesus is indeed the prophet. Let's look over there. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit more than just verse 22. I'll start in verse 17. It says, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, ignorance as did your leaders. It's a nice way to start the conversation, right? I know you were ignorant, but... Okay. But this is how God fulfilled what he said, what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Here we go. This is what's on the, on the screen, right? Verse 22. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Okay. So Peter is using, he's quoting Deuteronomy to draw a parallel between that prophet and Jesus. Peter is saying to them, you were looking for the prophet, but you found him. And then you killed him. Jesus is the prophet. Okay. So Peter's audience, they had to make a decision. Was Jesus the prophet? Was he not? 
We have to make the same decision today, don't we? Was Jesus the prophet? Or was he not the prophet? Personally, I'm going to side with Peter on this. That Jesus wasn't just a prophet. But Jesus was the prophet sent from God with God's words in his mouth. And that's really where I wanted us to get to today. So here are my takeaways from this lesson. Jesus, as a prophet, brought an incredible message of love's, God's love and his desire to forgive us of our sins. You think about it, about the amount of, of debt in his story, he was willing to forgive and move on. And God offers that same love and forgiveness to each one of us. You may say, well, I'm the, 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 the 50 days wages person, or I'm the 500, or maybe your number's bigger. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is saying, God wants to forgive. And my second takeaway is this, Jesus is not only a prophet of God, but he is the prophet of God. Therefore, it really is in our best interest to listen to what he has to say. <sighs> well, that's your Bible lesson for today, but I do want to... Want to I want to encourage you to join us at midweek when Jeff Michelle uh, teaches us about Jesus the teacher, or, well, and or, come back next week when my good friend Ted Gill is going to teach us about Jesus, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Everybody, 